too scared to sleep. <laughs> Five Seriously Scary Halloween True Stories Happy Halloween, everybody! Tonight, let's listen to scary stories that will give you the chills. So take off your costume, sit back, and don't be too scared to trick-or-treat. This happened the night before Halloween back in 2018. At that time, I was a freshman in college living on campus. That year, the 31st fell on a Monday, so students' festivities went on the Sunday before. During the afternoon around 7, I was outside playing soccer on a field near my place, and I noticed an SUV driving by several times. I only noticed this vehicle because we kicked the ball over the fence several times, and that car was present at least twice, when we were climbing the fence to get the ball. I didn't think much of it, and proceeded to go to a party later that night. My girlfriend and a few friends and I left at around 9.30pm, and we noticed a helicopter in the sky with a bright floodlight attached to it, seemingly scanning the area. We proceeded to the party and didn't fret over it. The party was on the other side of campus, and so, we missed all the sirens and flashing lights racing up and down the street. We got back from the party at around 11pm, and I immediately noticed that not only was the first helicopter still in the sky around my campus apartment, there was a steady stream of police cars, ambulances and fire trucks driving up and down the street nearby. However, none of them had their lights nor sirens on, so I wasn't alarmed. The next day, the internet informed me that an SUV was found ablaze in the parking lot with a woman's body inside. This happened about a half a mile to three-fourths of a mile from where I lived. I guess during the party, the area was crawling with police and other authorities trying to look for clues. My roommate later told me that there were non-stop sirens for a good 20 minutes after I left from the party. The next few weeks, more info surfaced saying that a man killed his wife and tried to burn her body. He broke her neck as well as bludgeoning her body. If the news article I read was to be trusted, the killer was lighting his wife's body on fire. During the same time, I was getting dressed up in my Woody costume for a party. It wasn't until a few weeks later that I made the connection with the SUV I saw while playing soccer earlier in the day. I find it very chilling that while I was playing soccer, Someone was driving within 20 yards of me with a corpse in the car, especially since it was on the campus of a seemingly secure university in a very safe city. I'm 15 years old, and not one to believe in the paranormal or spirits. Then, this happened. So I was trick-or-treating with my friend and some of my mom's friend's kids. We were walking near a small bridge to get to a small island known as Seabrook Island. It's a small neighborhood but higher middle class. We were about to go over the bridge but me and my friend heard one of the other kids scream. Then we turned around and the kids were gone. The decorations changed. By changed I mean gone and all the lights went out which was strange for our neighborhood. Dale, my friend and I turned back to see if they somehow got in front of us. They weren't in front but again the decorations lights went out and there wasn't a soul in sight. I went to knock on some doors but nobody answered. I was shocked and I was scared. We kept trying to walk back to my house but kept ending up next to this park with a green ladder and metal slide on a concrete floor. We kept trying and trying to walk out of this neighborhood, but to no avail, we just kept ending up walking right into the park. It was like some alternate dimension. I tried to call my mom, but all the contacts in my phone disappeared, and when I tried to enter the number manually in my phone, it just instantly died, just like that, 63% to dead. 
Every time we turned our head we seemed to be in a different part of the neighborhood, but that park was still in our sight. I thought to myself what if we look around the park. We did, and we found an unproportionally big footprint. It was just one footprint. Dale's nose started to bleed, and what was weird was he's not one to get nosebleeds just out of thin air. We were scared at that point. We kept trying to look for anyone. Eventually we found one person. I went up to him and asked him if he had a phone, but he didn't speak English. He just spoke gibberish. But he understood I needed a phone, so he gave me his phone. But the screen was all cracked, and the touchscreen didn't work and all the screen showed was the time with the seconds going backwards, and when the seconds hit zero it went up a minute. I knew this guy was somehow connected to this place, so I ran away and Dale ran with me, but we just ended up at the park. I knew I couldn't go back to that man. All of a sudden my phone turned on and kept buzzing. I kept getting those spam messages, the ones where they say, hey Bill, try this cream. My phone was going crazy, then the screen went black. It displayed the time just like that man's phone. The seconds went backwards and the minutes went up, and then the time reached 12.01, and out of nowhere me and Dale were back in the neighborhood. We knew this was the real Seabrook Island, the one without the park. We walked back home, he went to his house and I went to my house and I fell asleep. But when I woke up Dale was there on the floor sleeping in the living room. He didn't know how he got there or why. I talked to my other friend Chris about this story. He said he was at a Halloween party, and something similar happened to them when they were playing with the Ouija board. After it happened, they just stopped playing and they burned the Ouija board near the canal, then threw the ashes in the canal. A few years ago, I was renting a house in Northern California. The neighborhood was just outside the suburbs. It seemed like the perfect balance of having space and having nice neighbors close enough not to feel isolated. The area had no streetlights, so it was very dark at night, especially if there were clouds blocking the moonlight. It didn't bother me though. It made my little house feel even more quaint on dark nights. I got home from work one day in midwinter. It was a cloudy night, so pulling up to my house I saw only what my headlights and front porch light illuminated. When I got out of my car, I caught a whiff of cigarette smoke. That was odd, as I had never smelled that before around my house. I didn't see anyone nearby, so I ignored it and went inside. I had just got off a shift with a few hours of overtime, so I felt pretty tired. Even though it wasn't even 7 yet, I decided to take a shower and call it a night. I woke up sometime later and was sure that I had heard a noise inside my house. I wasn't worried right away because my friend would sometimes stop by to use my shower after work, on his way to his night classes. I even gave him a spare key so he could stop by even if I wasn't home. He would always text me to let me know beforehand though, and I hadn't heard my phone go off. I reached over to my bedside table and picked up my cell phone to see if my friend had sent me a text. The bright light from my phone's screen and number pad blinded me. Those were the days before phones had a light sensor that would dim the screen in the dark, and this particular phone was so bright I could use it as a flashlight. Through squinted eyes I could make out that it was gnawing something, but I couldn't tell if I had an unread text or not. I set my phone aside and called out my friend's name. There were a couple of seconds of silence before I heard loud footsteps running through the bottom floor of my house. I leapt out of bed and ran to the closet. They were already up the stairs by the time I had opened the door and stepped inside. That house had three rooms upstairs, two bedrooms on either side of the hallway, the one I was in and a spare, and a bathroom at the end. The bedroom doors were both closed, but the bathroom door was cracked open. I heard whoever was in my house thunder down the hallway past my door and into the bathroom. Thank God he did. That gave me enough time to open the attic access in the ceiling of my closet and hoist myself up. 
I had just started to lift myself up when the person ran back out of the bathroom. My feet were barely inside of the attic when my bedroom door bust open. I heard footsteps run into my room and stop. When they didn't see me in that room, they ran back to the hallway and into another room, which just had boxes stacked in a corner, some weights, and a table where I painted my miniature models. I guess they decided that if someone were hiding, it would be in the bedroom because they charged back into my room and turned on the light. A moment later, the closet door was ripped open. I was crouched in my attic just a foot or so away from the access, so I could try to stop them if they started to climb up. From my vantage point, all I could see was from about their knee down. They were wearing dirty blue jeans with frayed cuffs and worn work boots. After a few seconds of looking in the closet, they stepped away and I heard a loud crash come from my room, followed by a scream of frustration and anger. That scream was the most unnerving part of the incident for me. It reminded me far too much of my stepfather who would scream in a similar way when he lost his temper. He would eventually be put in a mental hospital for several mental disorders that resulted in erratic and violent tendencies. The man in my house ran back down the stairs. I heard crashes and clatters as things were thrown around and furniture was knocked over. I stayed crouched in the attic. I had left my cell phone when I ran for the closet, and I wasn't certain I could climb down without him hearing. After some time, the noises stopped. I started counting slowly. When I reached a thousand, I decided it was safe enough to climb down and call the police. The first thing I noticed when I exited the closet was the intruder had flipped my bed over. I assume in an attempt to find me. That was the loud noise I had heard after he stepped away from the closet. I couldn't find my cell phone, so I went to the landline by the bed and called the police. I waited in my room until I heard them call out from downstairs. The first floor was a mess, but I had expected that. Chairs had been knocked over, the sofa had been flipped. All the books, pictures, and knickknacks I had on my shelves were thrown across the floor. The cupboards in the kitchen had been opened, and all the boxes and canned foods had been thrown to the ground. As far as I could tell though, the only thing missing was a single knife out of the wooden block in my kitchen. The police checked the house from top to bottom. They found that the side door had been forced open by something like a crowbar. They also found a few cigarette butts along my fence line along with some foil, and an empty pen tube, which the police said people often used to smoke meth, so they think he had been watching my house for a while. I realized that he must have been out there smoking a cigarette when I got home. They collected up the evidence and told me I should stay with family or friends that night and get that door fixed as soon as possible. I opted to just not sleep. I moved a shelf over to block the broken door and spent the next couple hours cleaning things up. I would often go to the window with a flashlight and shine it along the fence line where the police found the cigarette butts and foil, but I didn't see anything. The next day I called to have the floor fixed and motion lights installed at the back and sides of my house. I ran a phone cable up into the attic and added a landline. I never wanted to be stuck up there without a phone again. Nothing else happened at that house though. I lived there another three years without incident. One more precaution I took was practicing getting out of my bed, going to my closet and climbing into the attic as quickly and as quietly as possible. I even kept at it when I moved, except now I go to a crawl space at the back of the closet instead of the attic. I try not to think about what would have happened if I had been a bit slower getting to the attic, or if he hadn't gone into the bathroom at the end of the hall first. At the time this took place, I was 16 years old. I'm 25 now, so I'll do my best to get the whole story down for you guys. It was Halloween in my small South Louisiana town. It was a crisp night, the temperature was in the mid-80s, and the heat showed no signs of slacking off. I was walking around with my older sister and our friend Brooke. My sister had gone as a cat, and Brooke had gone as a witch. I had made the awful decision of wearing a formal gown, 
since I decided to go as a zombie prom queen. I had a crown and everything. I was drowning in that dress though. I was so hot, and the corset back was restricting my breathing. It was about 8.40 and all the kids were pretty much cleared out of the street. We were making our way to the park next to the city hall where my mother was supposed to pick us up. We were supposed to be there for 9 o'clock. The three of us were about six blocks away at this point, and my sister had stopped to talk to a friend of hers. I was not stopping though. It was close to the time for my mom to pick us up, and I was not going to be late. Also, I was miserable in that stupid dress and I wanted to go home. I had carried on for about two blocks down before I had noticed that my sister and my friend had both stayed behind. I was annoyed to say the least. I only had four blocks to go before I could lay down in my mother's minivan. Being alone in the dark was starting to give me the creeps. The yellow streetlights didn't do the ambiance any favors. I'd kept my pace and kept walking, until I heard the rumble of a muffler coming up behind me. I moved all the way off of the road. The large black truck came past very quickly and turned to the left in front of me. I passed the intersection and I only had three blocks left. Then I heard the truck again. I'd never moved back onto the road, so I didn't bother looking back. It wasn't too strange that the same truck had passed again. The third time they passed, they slowed down for a good 30 seconds or so. That's what scared me. I didn't recognize the truck, and the windows were tinted heavily. As soon as I thought I could see a bit of a face, they peeled out and disappeared around a corner. I made another block before I heard the truck again. I was two blocks away from my ride and I was scared to start running. I already couldn't breathe because of the dress, and I was terrified I would pass out. As soon as I heard the truck, my stomach wrenched. I still kept walking only a bit faster than I had been. I kept my eyes down and watched my own shadow as the headlights came closer. I heard the brakes and I had made the decision to run, but I was too late. I realized how close they were to me. I felt a sharp pain on the back of my head, and I looked up and saw an arm sticking out of the window. An eagle clutching a sword was tattooed on his upper forearm. He had my hair wrapped around his fist. Before I could really comprehend the situation, he pumped the gas and was dragging me alongside of his truck. I was running as best as I could, clawing his arm. I was crying and screaming. The only thing that kept running through my mind was that if I tripped, I was going to be run over. This man was just laughing. I was completely helpless. As soon as it started, he let me go. I fell to my knees on the asphalt. I tore my dress, skinned my palms, and my scalp was on fire. I was inconsolable and I was hyperventilating. I stood up and wiped my face. Then I looked around and felt absolutely violated. I looked back at the way I'd come from and realized that this man had dragged me by my hair for a whole block and a half. I ran across the street to the park. My mother was nowhere to be seen. I climbed into the enclosed slide and I just curled up and cried. I don't know how long I was laying there before I heard my mother calling my name. I came out and she was walking up the street calling for me. I walked over to her and she looked me up and down and she started freaking out. Apparently I had blood on my face and dress from my hands. She ran to me and was asking me what happened and kept looking me up and down for a gash or something worse. I couldn't find my voice. I just held on to her and cried. We spent the next few hours at the police station filling out a report. Long story short, nothing ever came of it. For the past 16 years, I've lived in a very standard house on a very average street, in a big, boring neighborhood. In the daytime, it's quiet. There aren't very many kids anymore, just empty nesters or the elderly. However, there are still some kids around, and so, when Halloween comes around, I still go all out. The pumpkins, the fake spider webs, the blinding strobe lights, all of it. Then I sit on my porch, dressed as a spooky witch, and wait. Now, every single year, mostly back in my trick-or-treating days, I can recall a certain strangeness, 
There's without fail a man that walks the night silently dressed as none other than Michael Myers, as in the Halloween slasher Michael Myers. Pretty harmless. It is Halloween, it is scary. He never says a word, just walks silently with a long knife that glints and catches the street lamps. This year, 2016, I'm sitting in the dark on my porch. It's two hours in. I've had a staggering total of five kids come through and was about to give up. Behold, Michael Myers makes his appearance. Quietly, he's walking past my house. I'm thinking, dang, my porch light is off, he won't see me. But in that moment, he stops mid-stride and turns toward me and freezes. For what felt like ages, he stared at me in the dark totally alone. Then he twitches his head and resumes his walk. The worst part is that no one else seems to have ever noticed this guy. Neither of my two brothers, not my best friend, no one. For 16 years, I've been the only one to see him. He's good. 